so a good chunk of the reason why the Virginia Tech at UVA matchup this evening, 6.30 year time, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, and VTR in Southside 106.3 as well as 93.3 in Lynchburg. A big chunk of the reason why that matchup doesn't have as much buzz as you might anticipate the Tech-UVA rivalry to generate is because these teams are not great this year. Now, despite being 10-6, and six, believe it or not, the computer numbers actually like Virginia Tech more than the 11-5 and five Virginia Cavaliers. But both these teams have plenty of work to do to put themselves in consideration as an NCAA tournament caliber team right now. Duke, Carolina, they're in. Clemson, I think they're falling in the wrong direction after last night's loss to Georgia Tech. More on that in the Fast Five at 5-ish. Miami at 12-4, and four, probably in, but still not convincingly. Even though they were injured last week, they still managed to lose at home to Louisville, who is an atrocious team in the ACC. NC State comeback victory against Wake Forest. Deeks could have used that game on the road last night. They had the lead for most of it, but couldn't hold on down the stretch. Credit to what was left of NC State after Mr. Heinies himself, Jeff Anderson, gave Kevin Keats the boot. And again, more on that in the Fast Five at Five-ish. But Tech and UVA are not in that category of teams right now that generate some kind of compelling reaction in college basketball. If anything, the matchup tonight, I'd say more for Virginia because it's a home game. But there's an urgency meter more for these teams right now to start finding wins in ACC play so that they don't have to play on Tuesday of the ACC tournament. The first round games at least play Wednesday with the bye, even if it's unlikely that either of them will play Thursday for the coveted double bye, where you're essentially automatically into the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. I don't see that out of Tech or UVA. But right now, some of it is the, the wins. When they're there, it generates a much bigger reaction than anything else. Also, the fact that, I mean, these teams have been rather mercurial, to say the least. Virginia Tech, they get a win against Clemson last Wednesday night and follow that up with a performance where they had their opportunities and played well, but committed too many turnovers down the stretch. We heard Mike Young bemoan that as we shared that with you yesterday in the fast lane, fast lane, that lane where you listen to podcasts, do check that out. But the other part is Virginia. I mean, they're a team that we, we've documented how bad they are away from John Paul Jones Arena. The one win against a fledgling West Virginia team. Sorry to the Radford Highlanders who will be on as well at 6.30 p.m. VTR in Roanoke app and 99.5 FM Roanoke 95.5 FM Bedford. But sorry to Radford, who went on the road and won at West Virginia. That's not a good West Virginia team. That's the only Virginia victory on the road or away from JPJ, even if you include neutral sites. Every other game, they've not just lost. They've been handily defeated by at least 15 points in all of those games. So one of them is, I mean, these teams clearly have high levels of warts, and you're not going to do a ton to answer those concerns tonight. Mike Young noted that UVA clearly a more comfortable team at home at JPJ. Well, you know, like like everyone, Mike, uh, just a, a lot more comfortable and, and confident at uh, at home. Clearly, they've looked that way at JPJ. I mean, Virginia, they have actually looked rather commanding in a number of their victories at home, 
including the one I saw against Syracuse back in early December. So you know, where these teams are in the standings is part of the reason why there's not a ton of excitement and hype around this game. Uh, there are other parts to this, though, as well. Look at the ACC schedule. Florida State is at Miami this evening. And granted, Florida State's best player last year, Zach Cleveland, is, is not Zach Cleveland, excuse me. That's the Liberty player. Matthew Cleveland, no relation. Transferred from Florida State to Miami. Welcome to the transfer portal era where Miami lost the defensive lineman Daryl Jackson to Florida State last year as well. So, I mean, that, that's a business part of this. But last night it was NC State hosting Wake Forest. Tonight, the Knowles visit the Canes and Virginia Tech at Virginia. Even Georgia Tech and Clemson, which is kind of a pseudo-Southern rivalry. None of them were part of rivalry week on ESPN. I mean, it's not Duke-Carolina night. Carolina's got Louisville at home, for crying out loud. Duke, they're on the midweek bye. They don't play until this weekend. I mean, if you're talking about the feel of rivalries, that's another angle to this. And, of course, this is so vintage Go ACC, where they're not advocating to their carrier, ESPN. And in case you're unaware, all three games tonight are televised on some kind of ESPN property. The ACC Network doubleheader is Florida State-Miami, followed by Louisville-Carolina, whereas ESPNU is the home for Virginia Tech at Virginia, which, of course, as we mentioned earlier, 6.30 airtime CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. But, I mean, two of those matchups tonight should be considered rivalry games. Two of the games last night you could put into the rivalry category, and yet there they are, none of them generating any kind of buzz and excitement as part of what ESPN will bill up to be rivalry week. Well, usually that's the first week in February, including the Carolina-Duke game for the first time, or the second week in February at points. And then the last week of the regular season, that first week in March, is also deemed rivalry week. I mean, what are we doing here, ACC? Another mistake this conference continues to make. Whether it's Jim Phillips now or John Swafford and the coaches and commissioners who wanted to bring in the boutique schools like Syracuse and Boston College and Pitt, not the bigger football brands like West Virginia, which would have been a great compliment to... Miami and Virginia Tech back in the day, but I, I digress. You know, that's part of it. And because of that, there's not a lot of feel of rivalry to a matchup like this. And Tony Bennett was blunt about this when he spoke a couple of days ago comparing the men's basketball rivalry with the football rivalry. You know, the football rivalry is is um, it's it's a little different, I think, in that regard. It's once a year. It's that last game of the year, and there's so much. But but this is important. But because you have so many games in conference and you're on a journey, you look at it, and then you know you play them, and you got to play Saturday and get after it. But but it's been good. The games have been quality. The atmospheres have been great, um, and it does matter, and people care, and, and you respect it, and, and you go after it. So you understand the atmosphere is great. I, I don't dispute it. It'll be a fun one tonight at John Paul Jones Arena. Virginia fans rallying around their team, which needs all the support they can get at home, given how bad they've been on the road and that ridiculous ACC scheduling quirk where the Wahoos don't have a Saturday or Sunday home game until mid-February, but they're on the road every single weekend. I mean, that's another one of those where it's just a head-scratcher for the ACC. Maybe next year, every game in January will be at home, and half of them in February and March will also be at home. For Virginia, Maybe they can get that one worked out in their favor. But it doesn't contribute to the fact that if you're Virginia, you got to figure out how to win on the road. So that's part of it. 
ridiculous scheduling quirks aside, lack of organization in college basketball like there is in football to have rivalry week. And no, don't give me this nonsense from the ACC that Louisville is Virginia's supposed rival, even though Louisville's only been in the conference for a period of time. I mean, this is just so go ACC. But then there's the other part, and I don't have an issue with this, but the respect level between these two particular programs. First of all, Tony Bennett mentioned that he believes it's respect, it's not hatred. They want to beat Virginia Tech, but clearly Tony Bennett and Virginia Tech, they have a level of respect for the Hokies, and I think this does play into the fact that the coaches certainly don't feed the rivalry notion. I think it's it's a healthy rivalry. Um, you know, you play each other twice, always hard-fought games. Um, you know, when you're in the spot, you know, we just want to play as well as we can and try to be as successful as we can, no matter who the opponent is. But certainly it generates excitement, um, you know, when you're playing your in-state rival. And, um, you know, both of us, you know, they've lost some close games. We've kind of gotten... Um, separate it from, but both of us are trying to to get after it and and take that next step um, for this year and try to get it going in the right direction that way. So it's there's a lot of intensity, but but respect, intensity, but respect. I mean, I don't think you change that if you're a fan of either of these programs, because Tony Bennett was specific, not just respecting Virginia Tech as a program, but more notably, Mike Young as a head coach. It's not a hatred. Uh, I don't hate Coach Young. I hope he doesn't hate me, but does he want to beat us? Do we want to beat them? Absolutely. Do our guys want to play? Yes. Of course. There's a rivalry element to this, but it's not fueled in a certain way. Where there was clear disdain, Roy Williams, a Carolina guy, didn't like Duke, at least the team Duke, and Coach K, the coach of Duke, clearly had his concerns. They fed in to that notion of the Duke-Carolina rivalry, which I think still exists now. Maybe will even continue to be heightened because both Carolina and Duke are led by alums of their school. Hubert Davis went to Carolina and John Shire went to Duke and now they're leading their respective programs. It's not really the case with Mike Young at Virginia Tech, even though he's a Radford area guy and and bleeds hokey. And Tony Bennett clearly is a Wisconsin guy, so that's not it. But then here's the other part, and here's the interesting angle to this. I know a lot of Virginia Tech fans who were not as upset when Virginia won the tournament. I know I don't speak for all of them, but when UVA won the men's basketball tournament back in 2019, that the Virginia Cavaliers at that juncture, there was a, it's not, yes, you could make fun of UVA if you were a Tech fan because they had not won a football championship in what would be called an, I'm going to use air quotes for this, meaningful sport. That being the eyes of Virginia Tech fans talking smack to UVA fans. But the truth is, I also know a lot of folks out there, Chris Coleman, Virginia Tech alum and writes for the Virginia Tech-focused website, techsideline.com, a really good writer and really good reporter. But Chris Coleman has mentioned a number of times that, if anything, the way Virginia built that team and the way they carried themselves, that's the type of thing he would want to see out of Virginia. And it's really hard to hate Virginia for that particular notion, whereas in the Mike London era, there was certainly a lot of trash talk between the Virginia football players and the Virginia Tech football players. And Bronco all obviously, with the clock of beating Virginia Tech and took him four years to get there, should have only taken three if they hadn't blown the game against uh, the Hokies in Blacksburg with the fumble in overtime. But uh, Bronco all had the clock up of beat Virginia Tech, clearly leaned into that as well. And, of course, when Virginia Tech has won those games, because they've only lost once in the new millennium, they, they, they were willing to, to feed into that. They're just not there in basketball. And that's, again, the respect level that a lot of Virginia Tech fans have for Virginia basketball and the belief that 
we would like our program, we being Virginia Tech fans out there, they're thinking, is we would like our program to, if anything, try to emulate what Virginia has done. And that's why even Mike Young mentioned that he feels that same level of respect toward Tony Bennett and UVA. I, you know, I have the utmost respect for him. You guys know that. I've, I've said it and and I genuinely feel that. What he's done there, it's an exemplary program. Um Great uh, admiration for how his teams play, <clears throat> how he uh, runs his uh, his, you know that uh, that basketball team. The way they play, generally they play hard. They play defense. It's connected. One of the buzzwords right now in college hoops, but in sports in general, I think it's actually it's with good reason. The word connected is a buzzword in part because I mean there are a lot of programs where it does operate more like a mercenary approach than anything else. Heavy transfers, when things go south, guys lose the level of buy-in and investment. In Virginia, despite obviously things going south, particularly with their losses of 15-plus points in every game except one away from JPJ this year, that that they have not let that get them down. And so you do want to see that, especially if you're Virginia Tech and they've had their own challenges. Liberty, we've documented that before as well. More on that connection tomorrow in the fast lane. But you know, all that feeds into why this is a rivalry, yes, but not necessarily one that would be the type of rivalry that you think it is in the traditional sense. And yes, I do think some of it could be heightened and lent into and embraced if ESPN would get back to embracing the concept of rivalry week. And I get that they don't have the rights to the Big Ten, so what do they care if Indiana-Purdue from earlier this week is played right now as opposed to a different time? But lean into it with the ACC. Lean into it with the SEC, with the SEC where ESPN has the rights. And there still is enough voice there that if you do it with those particular power basketball conferences, then there's a good chance you may get that type of thing as well from the Big East, which is a Fox property. And certainly there's a lot of rivalries that are natural there. St. John's, Seton Hall in the New York area, the brewing one between Rick Patino at St. John's and Hurley at UConn. Uh, but there are a lot of ones that could go into that particular conference as well that could be fueled as well. And that's one of the things that's great for college basketball, even if it takes more networks and admittedly in an era where they all act in their own best interest. Speaking of networks and their behavior, more on that momentarily in the Fast Five at Five-ish. But before we get to that, you need to act in your best financial interest as well, which is why you need to go to InsaneRadioDeals.com. Because if you're looking to make sure you stay in shape in the new year, three-month individual couple and family memberships to Cross White Athletic Club at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Try it. See if the experience at CrossWhite is what you want. It should be comprehensive uh, gym experience with the access to tennis courts, pickleball courts, the pool, of course, the facilities as well, and the opportunity to sign up for additional classes if you want that too. All available thanks to the introductory offer at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, two other topics in the Fast Five at Five-ish, including networks acting in their own best interest. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Well, the networks will act in their own best interest despite the complaints of fans. How many times did you see it on social media? Not from us at Fast Lane, Ed Lane, or Ty Tracy 90 on our socials. But how many times did you see on social media people voicing their frustration, particularly Saturday night because 
they had not downloaded the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app where they could just listen to the Miami-Kansas City football game. So instead, they were trying to find it on TV, realized you had to pay extra for Peacock, and they were upset by that. Well, plenty of people still acted in their best interest, which is ultimately watching the game. And it cracks me up always. This is an atrocity. This is a greed and a money grab for the NFL. This should not be tolerated and allowed. Well, if it shouldn't be tolerated and allowed, then why are you part of the 23 million people that were willing to sign up at some point for Peacock outside of the Kansas City and Miami markets where the teams were playing, which you were allowed to air those games on NBC there. But the 23 million people that viewed this matchup on Peacock set a streaming record. This is something that's going to happen going forward. The P word, precedent, it's there. The precedent has now been set that you're able to generate this type of interest and buzz for a matchup like this. And as long as you're able to do that, it ultimately is not going to change anything at all in terms of what you're getting, in terms of why you're getting that, and why the TV networks are doing anything differently because of that. Ultimately, they see the immortal words of our guy, Kenny Powers. They see more dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And because they see more dollar, dollar bills, y'all, guess what? They're going to go down that route. You might sit there and be upset, but it doesn't matter in that regard because that's ultimately the decision and what it comes down to is generating more of that. Number four. Pivoting away from the NFL Networks, more on that momentarily, of course, tomorrow in the fast lane, but to the ACC and basketball action last night. We mentioned that game between North Carolina State and Wake Forest, where Wake had the lead for the majority of the game, but could not hold on to that 10-point lead at halftime and a lead that was eight points down the home stretch with with about five minutes to go. Ultimately, 83-76 win. Um, Good for NC State. Wake, they're 12-5, and five, but it does beg the question. Again, Virginia, they're not equipped roster-wise to stress a team like Wake Forest, but we've seen teams that are with their scoring put Wake Forest in a bind, a situation that the Demon Deacons are going to have to address if they want to be a contender in the future. Meanwhile, Syracuse and Pitt. Syracuse gets a good road victory at Pittsburgh. They also back that up with a win against Boston College. Look, this is not a great team for Syracuse. Don't let the 12-5 and record fool you. They have, similarly to Virginia, struggled at home or struggled away from home, although they got the win against Pitt last night. But they have destructive losses at North Carolina by 30-plus points and even by 20-plus offensively challenged Virginia earlier this year. Syracuse, plenty of work to be done even at 12-5 and to be a tournament-caliber team. Speaking of, Clemson, they're 12-5, and but that loss to entering the night, 8-8, eight and eight, now 9-8 and eight Georgia Tech. I, I've admired what Damon Stoudemire has done to get the Yellow Jackets playing hard and to reconstruct that roster and to get a lot of scoring for a team that won 93-90 to 90 at Clemson. They play hard for Damon Stoudemire. But if you're Clemson, that's supposed to be a staple of your team with Brad Brownell. How are you giving up 93 to Georgia Tech? How are you giving up 22 points in overtime? How is it getting to overtime? This is the type of reason why, if you're Clemson, you're considering the status of Brad Brownell as much as he's gotten out of that program at times. This goes into the old, how serious are you about winning? Because this type of performance last night is not the type that programs will ultimately tolerate if they are serious about winning. I'm not saying Clemson can't right the ship because Brownell has often done that, but there are often these head-scratching losses 
South Carolina in the regular season last year, Georgia Tech in the regular season this year, where you just sit there and go, if this is our identity, how do we get away from it when it really matters the most? Number three. We mentioned the games this evening, and of course, earlier we looked ahead to Virginia Tech at Virginia. 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock tip on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Florida State at Miami. We mentioned teams that have good records that are fooling you. The flip side is Florida State. They're a 10 and 6 team, but they had a lot of injuries and players who were not yet eligible early this year. They also won at Miami last year. Canes have gotten more healthy since last week, losing at home to Louisville, but this is one of those where it's a dangerous spot. Florida State, they are starting to play better. Miami, a six and a half point home favored, but I would lean the Knowles in this area because it's a rivalry matchup and. It's also a situation where Florida State's record may fool a lot of people with just how well they play. Meanwhile, Louisville against North Carolina. Here's my danger in laying the 21 points with North Carolina. Louisville, they're terrible. Carolina should win this handily. But isn't this the type of game where if you're North Carolina, maybe you do exactly what you did against Syracuse, and you're up by, what, 25-ish points around the half. If you think of it in betting terms, they're up by four. And what's the motivation level to keep the intensity that high over the course of the second half? That's the propensity. I mean, look, Louisville, they're terrible. Kenny Payne's era, I still don't know how we're even at this point with Louisville. But for North Carolina, that's my concern if you're thinking about it with North Carolina. They went handily, yes, but I'm more concerned how much they continue to remain invested over the course of the entire game. Number two. Here's an interesting nugget from David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. He's spoken with Whip Babcock, the athletic director, at Virginia Tech, and the Hokies are reportedly looking to get out of their football series with ODU, the Old Dominion Monarchs. If that means Virginia Tech will spread out more games to regionally relevant teams and teams in the Commonwealth, I I would be all for this move. But to replace it with more 1AA FCS teams, I don't want more of that if I'm a Hokie fan. I get that means more home games, but from an entertainment standpoint, if you're Virginia Tech, I'd rather schedule teams that are clearly beatable yes or even other teams that are relatively beatable and frankly old dominion should be in that category i know it's been a house of horrors tex lost their last couple of games down there in norfolk against the odu monarchs but tech's trending in the right direction with the talent acquisition they've had odu it's always going to be a challenge to keep the best players on that roster this should not be an issue for virginia tech i'd be very curious what babcock has not elaborated further on this including with david cunningham of techsideline.com at least not publicly as to why the Hokies might be looking to get out of this deal, if it means adding even more games against teams like a JMU, a Marshall, a Liberty. Heck, throw in there a Coastal Carolina or an ECU, although I don't think that's coming back on the schedule given the scheduling issues in prior years. Even a West Virginia. I know they don't play again till the 2030s, but I'd be in favor of it if you're making that change if you're Virginia Tech. But to add more supposed buy games to the schedule... Even though, yes, those are more home football games, and frankly, it could be beneficial for us as a partner of Virginia Tech's, from an entertainment standpoint, not as big a fan as any other decision. Speaking of the Monarchs, by the way. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. A couple of days ago, ODU announcing men's basketball coach Jeff Jones taking a leave of absence due to health reasons. He will not be back for the remainder of this regular season or postseason. This is not one of those where it's, quote, health reasons, end quote, and you're saying you're going, uh, is this a Bob Huggins situation where health is a loosely veiled term for substance abuse challenges? Um, I mean, maybe it is, but uh, by all accounts, 
Jeff Jones has dealt with a lot of serious, legitimate health concerns. Not that substance abuse issues are not legitimate, but sometimes that's used the phrase is a cover-up for behavioral issues. And, and again, whether addiction is behavioral or whether it's a sickness, that's not where we're going with. Sometimes the term health reasons is a veil for what's really going on. That is not the case with Jeff Jones leaving ODU. He's had cancer that he's had to battle at different junctures. He's had other health scares that have popped up in terms of his internal organs and trying to keep those functioning. Again, no Bob Hoggins jokes necessary. This is legitimate here with Jeff Jones. I hate this news for him, but I commend him in this situation because of what that ultimately says about his program and how challenging that must be to step away if you are Jeff Jones from an ODU team that they have not always uh, been spectacular, but at times they've contended for a tournament. This was not one of those years anyway, uh, and now you compound this with serious, scary concerns. Yes, it's valid to bring that up. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. Speaking of action in the hardwood or on the hardwood, Ben Cates, newsadvance.com. We'll look back on the big rivalry matchup that lived up to the hype. Heritage and Glass, part one this past weekend. That when we return, this is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.